Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you probably didn't know, you need to know. I'm Jamie East, and this is The Standards. In the next seven minutes or so, we'll look back at a week that saw a massive U-turn from Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng on his new tax cuts for the wealthy, Elon Musk agreed to buy Twitter, protests in Iran and a massacre at a Thai daycare centre. This is The Standout 7 from The Smart 7. Don't forget to hit the follow button to get your daily updates at 7am. The Conservative Party conference took place in Birmingham this week and it was quite the induction for new PM and leader of the party Liz Truss and her cabinet. It all kicked off Monday morning with a startling U-turn as Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng announced that he was scrapping plans to scrap the 45% tax rate. Speaking to BBC Breakfast on Monday morning, Kwarteng made it clear that pressure from MPs and others contributed to the reversal of policy. We were focused on delivering the growth plan. There's a lot of good stuff in the growth plan. And what was clear, talking to lots of people up and down the country, talking to MPs, talking to voters, talking to our constituents, was that the 45p rate was becoming a huge distraction on what was a very strong plan. His backtracking on tax cuts meant a last-minute change to his keynote speech, which was expected to defend the government's initial growth plan, but Quasi seemed keen to plough on regardless. What a day. It has been tough. But we need to focus on the job in hand. And Chris Philp, the minister thought to be behind the 45p debacle, said the government will proceed with the remainder of the package, which includes further tax cuts for the wealthy and major cuts to public services. Although that's not quite how he put it. Of course, they're carrying on with the 95% of the rest of the growth package that will see our economy growing. It'll see wages rising for everybody. Mm. With growing unease amongst MPs in the Tory party at Truss's economic plans, Penny Morden became the first to break ranks when questioned over whether benefits should rise in line with inflation. I have always supported uh, keeping pace uh, with inflation. It's, uh, it makes sense uh, to do so. After a stormy few days for the new PM, Wednesday saw her first speech to the conference and she vowed to get Britain through the tempest. I have three priorities for our economy. Growth, growth and growth. But the speech didn't go totally to plan as she was interrupted by Greenpeace protesters, one of whom told Sky News they needed to take a direct message to the Prime Minister. Who voted for this? Who voted for what Liz Truss and her cabinet are trying to roll out across the country? Well, she certainly annoyed M people by walking on stage and moving on up. But what's her performance so far done for our opinion of Liz Truss? Well, she's already more unpopular than Jeremy Corbyn and Boris Johnson ever were. Over to you, Gov's Patrick English. Liz Truss now sits already at minus 59. Three quarters, sorry, of the public have an unfavourable opinion of her. 
This week saw Ukraine continue to make gains as it pursued its counter-offensive strategy in the east and south of the country. Having already retaken the city of Lyman, by Monday forces were also making progress in the southern Kherson region, meaning Russia no longer has full control over any of the provinces it claims to have annexed. But Russia's threat of nuclear action still looms, with Chechen leader Ramzan Kadriov encouraging Putin to consider using low-yield nuclear weapons against Ukraine this weekend, although the Kremlin has since rejected those calls. And it seems this was a wise move, as retired US General David Petros didn't hold back when explaining what his country's response would be to any use of nuclear weapons. We would respond by leading a NATO, a collective effort, that would take out every Russian conventional force that we can see and identify on the battlefield in Ukraine and also in Crimea and every ship in the Black Sea. On Tuesday, maps used in regular daily briefings by the Russian Ministry of Defence showed their troops are now nearly fully withdrawn from the Kharkiv province and as far as the border of the Luhansk region. And in his daily address, Zelensky said that dozens of areas have now been liberated and vowed to continue. Our warriors do not stop and it's only a matter of time before we oust all the occupiers from our land. He also thanked US President Joe Biden for providing Ukraine with weapons and security assistance worth $625 million. By Wednesday, independent Russian media outlet Agentsvo had reported that Russia's lost over 4,000 square kilometres of occupied territories in the last week alone. Major John Spencer told Times Radio that Ukrainians have liberated more in the last month than the Russians had seized in seven months of their illegal war. But he says we're not at the level of a coup to overthrow Putin just yet. I mean, not a single nation has come out in support of this sham referendum annexation of another country's territory. He has no friends. He's a rogue nation on the verge of becoming a failed state. Speaking at the first meeting of the European Political Committee in Prague on Thursday, Zelensky told European leaders that Ukraine must win the war against Russia in order to protect the EU. He also urged the world not to give in to Russia's nuclear blackmail during an address to the Australian foreign policy think tank, the Lowy Institute. If the world's response is weak, then Russia will come up with a new escalation. You see that the spectrum of illegal actions of this country is very wide. Missile terror, mass matter, deportations, nuclear blackmail, and the captured Zaporizhia nuclear plant. Three-hour blackouts could see the UK plunged back into the 1970s this winter, according to a worst-case scenario report by the National Grid. Households could experience the enforced power cuts if Vladimir Putin shuts off gas supplies from Russia and Britain experiences a cold snap at the same time. And it seems the UK will be the hardest hit in Europe. That's according to the CEO and founder of Utilita, Bill Bullen. Most countries in Europe have got more gas storage facilities than we have, so there's definitely a risk that that might happen. Meanwhile, shadow levelling up Secretary Lisa Nandy has called on the government to reverse the mini-budget. She expressed her concerns as we head into winter. I'm very worried about our energy security. I think anyone who's been following the situation would be worried. I'm also very worried about the fact that people are struggling to pay their energy bills right now and they're about to face eye-watering hikes in mortgage payments as well. And although Russia's already being blamed for the energy shortage now, the founder of Switchcraft, Andrew Long, says worse may be yet to come. But actually, Russia is still exporting gas, so it's just the global supply chain has been reshuffled. If Russia cuts off all gas exports, you know, we'll see another huge problem.
protests are continuing in Iran over the death of Marsa Amini in police custody. The 22-year-old was arrested by Iran's morality police for allegedly breaking headscarf rules. A girls' school in the country brought a member of the Iranian Baziz resistance force to speak to students, but it was far from a warm welcome as they took off their headscarves and demanded he get lost. Meanwhile, women have been filming themselves cutting their hair in support of Iranian women and girls who've been killed in the protests. And Swedish MEP Abir Al-Salani cut off her ponytail during an EU Parliament speech. Until the women of Iran are free, we are going to stand with you. Jian, Jian, Azadi, women, life, freedom. Still to come on the Standout 7, Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter's back on and get ready to go back to Wakanda. Right after this. Welcome back. In a surprise move, it looks like Elon Musk is now going ahead with his buyout of Twitter for $44 billion. The richest man in the world was due in court in just two weeks' time for trying to get out of the deal, and this change of mind means he'll now pay the original share price he offered in April, $54.20 per share. Jeffrey's Equities research analyst Brent Thill says there's no doubt the upcoming court case influenced Musk's U-turn. So he probably is like, look... Enough said, I'm going to own this thing at, at some point anyways. There's been massive damage inflicted on the company. There's been I- incredible departures. Advertisers have lost faith. The drama had to end and they had to move forward. And so hopefully get it sealed, move on, uh, reset and, and try to salvage, you know, wh- wh- where he's at. Because right now he's got to damage goods. Thailand is in mourning after the death of 34 people, including 23 children under the age of five, at a daycare centre in northeast Thailand. The attacker, an ex-policeman who was due in court on Friday on drug charges, carried out the massacre on Thursday afternoon and then returned to home where he killed his wife and son before killing himself. Flags are flying at half-mast across the country as Thailand grapples with one of the world's worst child death tolls by a single killer in recent history. The Thai king and queen and prime minister are due to visit the community affected by the tragedy on Friday. Thai Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-cha expressed sadness at the killings. He might have something inside him, facing problems. I don't take anyone's side. This shouldn't happen. It definitely shouldn't happen. I feel deep sadness towards the victims and relatives. Nobody thought this would happen. Black Panther fans, get ready. The trailer's just dropped for the most anticipated superhero sequel in recent memory, and it looks like it's going to be an instant blockbuster. Wakanda Forever takes place following the death of King Chala and sees the return of fan favourites Lupita Nyong'o and Danai Gurira as Nakai and Okoye, but viewers will have to wait a little longer to find out who'll be taking the torch from the late Chadwick Boseman as the next Black Panther. It's set to hit cinemas on November the 11th, so get that penned in your diary because you're not going to want to miss out. They don't call him General or King. They call him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. Seven, the best of the week from the Smart Seven. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. with the Sunday Seven. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced, and published by Daft Doris.